Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Today on CityCast Portland, we're talking about the aftermath of our debilitating week-long storm and yet another suspected arson that anarchists are taking responsibility for online. Plus, we'll hear some hot takes on the fair-haired dumbbell building as we open up our listener mailbag. Joining me on this week's Midweek Roundup is our very own producer, Julia Fiaioni. It's Tuesday, January 23rd. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Welcome, everyone, to our midweek roundup. Today is the day we check in on stories that happened late last week or over the weekend that we might have missed. Julia, hey, how are you doing? Doing good. How are you? Good morning. <laughs> how am I? I'm, you know, <laughs> we tape these on Monday morning, so I'm Monday morning. That's how I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, that's probably more true. <laughs> how was your weekend, by the way? It was good. I was feeling pretty good about uh, waking up to the ice starting to melt on Sunday. I was like, oh, finally. Yeah. You know, I still, I feel like this weekend was the last remnant of our snow ice days. And I kind of still had that. Like I wasn't like, let's go on a hike or like, let's go to the mm-hmm. coaster. I was still very uh, trepidatious about leaving my neighborhood just because yeah. I've heard of all of the terrible things that were happening with like down lines and, and trees falling. Um, so I just stayed close to home and I finally mm-hmm. saw poor things, which I enjoyed. Oh, did you have, heard, you know what I'm talking about? I did see it. Very strange film, but... Did you like it? I did enjoy it. I still enjoyed it, even though it was really weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mark Ruffalo had me cracking up the entire time. Like, it was so tug-and-cheek. Like, he was just so over the top, and I loved it. Yeah, and such an unexpected role for him. So it was fun to see. I feel like my weekend was, was different. I... On Saturday, did end up going to a bar to celebrate a friend's birthday, and oh, that's nice. uh, it was packed. I went to the Belmont Inn on Belmont, and it strangely felt like a frat house for some reason. There was like just a bunch of what felt like college kids dressed up in different themes. Like there was a whole group wearing denim, and then a whole group wearing like really silly hats. So it was like already disorienting to be out and about. And then to see all these people just dressed strangely and everyone acting like they haven't been out in like a year was a very funny energy. We haven't. What you experienced was everyone's cabin fever just exploding this weekend. Because I feel like most people were able to actually just leave their house and walk to their neighborhood bar or restaurant or whatever. Like I was, we went to go get a drink before we saw Poor Things, you know, Mm -hmm. in that like Pasta Ficho Doro garrison area that like my little hangout zone there. Mm -hmm. And the line to Pasta Ficho, went all the way out to Marie's, and they sold out by six. One I was going to say, there's no way everyone got served. No, they sold out yeah. by 6 p.m., and I was like, holy oh. moly. Like, everybody was just out. There was nowhere to sit in the garrison, which is crazy, mm-hmm. you know? I was like, damn, like, everyone came out to St. John's. Like, you could tell people came out to eat yeah. at Pasta Ficho. And oh, so I was like, nice. dang. Yeah, so everybody was, like, ready to go this weekend. Like, the moment that they were able to, like, wedge their cars out, people were done. <laughs> they were done. Absolutely. They were like, no uh-huh. more. <laughs> I was feeling that too. 
Yeah. So let's go into the stories. I wanted to ask you about your story because you did mention that you wanted to look into the aftermath of the weather. And I feel like after this weekend, I am curious how everyone's doing because we did see a bit of celebration this weekend of like, ah, it's done. Mm -hmm. But like, there's some people that still don't have any power, right? Yeah. So speaking more broadly about power outages, it's actually starting to look a little bit more hopeful. Portland General Electric reported on Sunday that just over 1,100 customers were without power in Portland metro area. Mm-hmm. And that's down from 8,300 the day before. And then to put it into context, it was a high of 150,000 on, on January 13th. So Jeez. at least that issue is being addressed All that being said, there are so many ways that people are continuing to feel the effects of the storm and having to pick up the pieces, especially Mm -hmm. looking at people who lost a week's worth of wages, kids in some cases still being out of school as of Monday. Um, Even the Amtrak line is closed to and from uh, Seattle and Portland. Oh, still? Yeah. And they're mentioning that by Tuesday, which would be this morning, it may be open, but uh, we tape on Mondays. So it's it's unclear whether or not that'll be the case. But very disruptive, especially on a, on a level of people trying to get to work safely. Yeah. I feel like our winter weather is only going to get worse and uh, the city and the state are going to have to figure something out. Because we can't just keep doing this. Like every year we shut down for a week. And then not only that, we just get made fun of. Like a lot. like, (laughs) And now that we're so closely connected to everyone else on social media, like Mm -hmm. it is embarrassing. Like the Midwest is always like, you guys, it's not that hard. And then like all our response videos are of us like hammering the ice and like, look, it's not snow, it's ice. And then the Midwest responds with like, yeah, I know we have ice too. That's what happens. And it's just like this, like it feels like we're losing here. It, 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 it does feel silly because it's not like snow and ice only happen in Portland. Mm-hmm. It happens everywhere else and no one is not going to work for a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny because <laughs> some of the things that could at least help with this are very simple, like snow plows and more salt on the roads. Mm-hmm. And having all those examples in other places in the country There should be many ways for us to be able to learn from that. But we just haven't woken up to the idea of this being something to expect every year, which is wild to experience. Because it's Portland. Like we I feel like the majority of Portlanders are like, oh yeah, climate change is real. (laughs) So (laughs) why can't we just like actually accept that then? I know. And I honestly I found myself falling victim to that too, because I remember first day of the storm. I had said to myself, oh, it's Portland. It's just going to melt the next day. But it's just not like that anymore. No. It's not going to melt the next day. (laughs) Yeah. We can't coast on the usual excuses of like, well, we don't really get much of that snow or or ice. So, you know, Mm -hmm. investing in the infrastructure isn't cost effective. Like you stated, like many Portlanders lost a full week of income uh, Mm -hmm. because not everyone was able to work from home or get pay time off. Like, like you were, I don't Mm -hmm. know if you mentioned the, you know, gig workers or even people who work construction. I I know the Oregonian interviewed a self-employed carpenter that couldn't access his work site for most of the Mm -hmm. week and is now in danger of not being to pay his rent or his like kids, like, uh, you know, expenses. And he can't be the only one suffering that fate, you know? Oh, no. I don't know if you saw, but even small restaurant and bar owners are asking Oregon lawmakers for help. They might have had like a 
banging weekend, but like for the mm-hmm. whole week, they no one could go into work, you know? Yeah. So they're basically like uniting and they're just like, hey, how about we get more snow plows? Like, how about, like you were saying, salt the roads, working with utility companies, like mm-hmm. work with them to reduce outages and improve response times. Cause the response times were, I mean, like much love to the PGE workers, but they were kind of ridiculous. Oh yeah. Like people mm-hmm. were out for like Eight days. It's just like, oh, yeah. sorry, it's just ridiculous how long people had to live without power. No, and I, I know even just from hearing from friends who own a bar down the street from me, the owner was without power and couldn't shower because <gasps> of a pipe burst at oh, her home. Fine. So was having to shower at one of her friends' places. So it's like not only is she trying to get to work to open her shop to make money to pay rent, she can't even take care of herself. Yeah. So it's just a whole saga of issues that come up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just talking about these restaurant and bar owners, they're also – one thing that I thought was interesting, they're asking for a a relief fund to assist Mm -hmm. them. Uh, Like, So basically any restaurant or bar with fewer than 100 employees can dip into the relief fund. That would be like an annual thing, which is pretty smart. And they're like – because right now they estimate 60% of Western Oregon restaurants are in danger of failing, which is – that seems rough. Yeah. That's heartbreaking. And that like – in the long term, similar to what we saw with the pandemic and how that affects people's perception of the city, if those places close down, we're back to square one again with the economy being devastated in that way and the effect that that has beyond just this present moment. The impact of that can be obvious uh, even months from now. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Because like, I feel like those of us who didn't have burst pipes, who didn't lose power, were just like, oh, finally, I was so bored, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's like... Great. I hope I can survive this month, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Like, I mean, basically our infrastructure has to change. I have, I completely agree. Mm-hmm. I also, I feel like whenever people hear salting the roads, a lot of Oregonians, like longtime Portlanders, shut their head and they're like, no, bad mm-hmm. for the Willamette. And it's like, you know, mm-hmm. there's other options. There's mm-hmm. all the ki- there's also other kinds of salts. Like we should really just maybe talk about this, you know? Yeah. It's like talking about fluoride in the water. They're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's like- we're done. It's like, no, but let's, yeah. we should maybe think about this because mm-hmm. uh, this is going to get worse. Yeah, I know. And I think another thing, too, that's important to mention is just the reality that some schools aren't even planning to be open for possibly another week due to the what? water damage and, and pipes oh, bursting. Jeez. And that, again, affects parents, people who are trying to get themselves to work, and also those students where, in some cases, from Portland Public Schools, they've already missed so much school from the end of last year with the teacher strike. So I can't imagine how out of whack those kids are and how disorienting that is for their learning and everything that comes with that. And I think one thing that really stuck with me from uh, Julia Silverman at The Oregonian, she had noted there was a quote from a parent at one of these schools who also works in the medical field. And they had said that from the pandemic, they never threw away their emergency plans as to what to do when things shut down. And that Mm. that essentially should be standard across the board. In every sector of the city, there should be an emergency plan that can work through moments like this where everything changes rather than scrambling to come up with it and reinvent the wheel every time. Yeah. I do feel like that is the Portland way, though. (laughs) Yeah. It seems like we really like doing it. (laughs) Yeah, it's terrible. I feel like that's what ends up happening when the city and the state don't provide infrastructure is you get a bunch of people being like, well, what about we do it? You know, it's like, yeah, Yeah. how about we just maybe have a unified plan? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. Well, uh, before I get into the story that I checked out this weekend, uh, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, some more headlines of the week. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. One plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Well, Julia, something I saw uh, come in over the weekend came in from Shane Dixon Cavanaugh, one of our faves, Oregonian reporter. Uh, he reported that there was yet another suspected arson fire, this time targeting city-owned construction vehicles. So last Friday, we talked about the alleged arson that targeted a car belonging to Commissioner Gonzalez's household. And it was assumed to be politically motivated. For those Mm -hmm. of, of you who are just like Commissioner Renee Gonzalez, a lot of Portlanders were very upset with him last year because he refused to hand out tarps during the winter for our houseless uh, citizens. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people thought that was draconian and whatever. His reasoning for that was like, hey, the the department that I oversee, which was the Portland Fire Department, is complaining that every fire that they're they're putting out is is a tarp fire. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so like, it was just this back and forth of like, what to do? So this time, authorities are investigating a fire that damaged a pair of construction vehicles, a bulldozer, and an excavator at the site of a future mass outdoor homeless shelter in North Portland along the Columbia Slough, which is considered to be part of the St. John's neighborhood. So it's actually not mm-hmm. that far from where I live, Julia. Yeah. Um, and this homeless shelter site would be uh, the second of six large alternative shelters planned throughout the city. I think they're being called like the safe rest shelters. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is going to primarily serve people living in campers and RVs. And here's what I thought was odd is this all happened early morning on January 7th. So weeks ago and we're just oh, hearing about it now. Mm-hmm. So I was surpri- I'm just like why was it kept uh out of the news for so long and one of the thoughts is that very recently the same site that we talked about on Friday it's called Rose City Counter Info which is a website where Portland anarchists post their direct action. And I guess a few days ago uh, an anonymous post claiming responsibility for the homeless site construction arson came out. And then after that, the city was just like, yeah, that happened. (laughs) 
I'm sorry. They just but, didn't want to talk about it before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is a quote from the actual post here, from the post from the, these supposed anarchists. So the city government is happy to pay a premium for ghettoization, pushing the visible poor out of sight, out of mind, isolated from the rest of the city in an industrial corner behind the city's waste processing facility. We answer with fire, which is just like, come on, calm down, guys. Mm-hmm. So this is what they're talking about is this site that, you know, um, the city's going to turn into a safe rest village. Mm-hmm. It's a reported brownfield. So for those who don't know that term, it's, that means it's an abandoned industrial wasteland, basically. And yeah. environmental scientists and consultants stated that without significant cleanup, it would not be safe for humans to live in, not even in RVs. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, that is the supposed reasoning behind this. Not only that, but they also, the, the anarchists do not like urban alchemy the contractor hired to run the shelter. You've heard about, we've talked about this. I remember we we mentioned this on a show we, we put out a few months ago and they're from California and they've been claimed to have had all of these issues and their reputation is just miserable, whether it's about mistreating their workers or the people that are actually at the site and not, not properly approaching, providing services for people who are staying in these villages. It's not a good look. Yeah. So they launched in 2018, and since then they've been a subject of multiple lawsuits, including several mm-hmm. that it settled were uh, that were brought by employees who alleged they weren't being paid fairly or given enough training, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so the, another quote from the same the same anonymous post as to why they uh, attacked this future homeless site is that they state that the urban alchemy that's the contractor consistently use their positions to bully, degrade, steal from, and sexually assault those living within their fences. So Mm -hmm. that's the whole point. So we have now, we have two targeted arsons. Mm -hmm. And it's so fucking Mm -hmm. sad that the fact that this is where we're at in the city, that either this is actually real and there's actual people thinking this is a solution. Yeah. Or whatever else. Because, I mean, there is the op. You know what I'm saying? Like, Julie, like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about. Like, there's always this suspicion that this isn't real. That's a setup. Yeah. That it's a setup. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But then there's just like, well, are people this dumb? Yeah. <laughs> the thing that I'm most bothered by is the reality is we don't have the infrastructure right now to house everybody affordably. And this like safe rest village is seen as a temporary solution to just make sure that people are safe and warm in the meantime. And it's obviously not a perfect solution. There's a lot of things that are wrong with it, but I don't feel like it's purposeful to delay the process of at least providing this in the meantime. And the hope is it's a a means to an end to get people connected to more services that include long-term housing. So doing things like this, approaching fire with fire, only delays the process of taking care of people more because right now this is this is what city hall is doing this is our best and mm-hmm. i think it's better than nothing one of the points made on this website again anonymous poster was that instead of all the money that they're spending in this basically what they're calling a ghetto you know mm-hmm. they should just be paying for these people's apartments mm-hmm. but i also agree that like part of the reason 
this is happening is because they're, they are getting connected to services. Mm-hmm. I do believe that like the way to solve our housing crisis is to just provide housing for sure. But there's also oh, a yeah. lot of people that need a bit more. You can't just throw them in a house. Yeah, there are steps that come before that. Yeah, they're going to be right outside of that house like in a month because if they need assist, if they have mental health issues, that needs to be addressed first. If they have substance abuse issues, that needs to also be concurrently addressed. You can't just put people in homes and be like, cool, see ya, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so I feel like this is what the city's thinking is like, it's going to be multi steps to sort out who needs what help to need, you know? It's a way in. Yeah, it and is I a way. I think what's in. frustrating too, and like you pointed out, yes, it is a wasteland, but there are right now efforts being made to clean that up. And I wonder how a fire like this will delay that process too. If that like creates more to clean up at this point where it's making the living situation even worse. Yeah. Well, let's just like thought experiment. This is actually an anarchist. It's just so dumb. This is the most poorly thought out you know, direct action and solution to any of this because all it is doing is just wasting more more taxpayer money. You're just wasting mm-hmm. more money. It's going to happen. No one's going to not do this. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And like, how about you put all of your anger and all of that righteous fire to actually helping people? How about that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about that? Yeah, similar to what we were talking about last week that you mentioned about um, Renee Gonzalez's family's car. It's yeah. It's an approach that's not going to be met well because it doesn't open opportunity for conversation and a solution to what's what we're so frustrated about. Yeah. And I understand like direct action if like there were just, <laughs> I'm just like, we're not there yet. You know, like there's mm-hmm. still so many good people trying to find a solution through the infrastructure we have now. And it's mm-hmm. like, how about you work with them? How about you figure something out? Like create your own thing. Like I remember when Food Not Bombs was a thing. That was actually direct action that helped. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing a lot of these anarchists out there handing out sandwiches. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what are you doing? You can't just, like, solve homelessness with a firebomb. Yeah. 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 So this is, like, my hope is that this is all a false flag, that it's just, like, some idiot trying to get anarchists, you know, like, oh, Portland anarchist. Because also another thing is it's such a stereotype. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's so sad. It's like, are you literally trying to create a Fox headline? That's what made me... So suspicious and curious because I've only lived here for two years and I wondered if this was a thing immediately, if it wasn't just a stereotype, which I could imagine it could be. And like you said, creating these buzzy headlines just to have what ends up being pretty meaningless conversation about whether or not it's even true rather than focusing that energy on figuring out a a proper solution and how to take, take care of people better. I know. Well, that's pretty much all we have on that story. Uh, I'm sure that Shane Dixon Kavanaugh is going to be looking more into it. I mean, who knows what else is going to come out? What else uh, is going to be set on fire? And I'm not saying that with joy. I'm just, I'm like, I, it's, there's a bit of incredulousness because I'm like, literally who knows? Like, what the (laughs) hell, man? Um, But before we head out, I wanted to see about our mailbag. So we've been getting so many emails. People have so many opinions about the things we cover. And we're just like, well, this is an ongoing conversation that we're having with everyone in the city. We want everyone to feel like they're being heard. And so I wanted to talk about this email that we got from a listener named Nathan concerning the story we covered on Friday about a um, developer who one of his office buildings was going up for auction. And in that conversation, our guest 
reporter Suzette Smith uh, was talking a lot of shit about a certain (laughs) building, which is the fair haired dumbbell. And if you're just like, what building is that? It's that like on Burnside, like when you're like driving towards the east side, you know, from downtown, it's like a huge white, I don't know what you say, like squiggly lined building. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you have a better description than that? Yeah. (laughs) And it's the place where they're now doing like psychedelic therapy treatment. Oh, I didn't know that. At this point. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Do you know what though? That's pretty, that's kind of. Spot on. It's spot on. I mean, if you looked at that building, you're like, oh, there's some psychedelic shit happening in there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, so Suzette went off about how much she hated this building and how she just thought it was like a waste because she thought it was complete. She's like, nothing's ever happening. So Mm -hmm. anyhow, Nathan wrote in to be like, hey, that whole building is pretty much full. (laughs) And which he's like, I and I know this because I go there for therapy. And basically, he just went off about all the things that are in there, like right down from like a, a coffee shop and like, yeah, a lot of the therapy that you were talking about. Just a bunch of stuff, and I'm not going to go into it, but just, just so, you know, he, he's just basically saying, hey, man, that building is being used. But I understand what Suzette was talking about because it's a, it's in such a weird space that it does feel like you're out in the street and you don't mm-hmm. want to be out there. So I uh-huh. get what she's saying, but what I really do love is that Nathan wrote in to basically defend the building a bit. Like, hey, man, this building, yeah. But also confirm, like, yeah, people hate this building. And he... <laughs> yeah. He gave us some pictures of vandalism, like the mm-hmm. building has sustained. Like he, I think he said, like I've seen several attacks on it, including a person who sabotaged the sprinkler system and ruined at least a whole floor in the south part of the building. And some of the pictures he showed were like glass lighting mm-hmm. doors; they were just shattered. Yeah, <laughs> which do is. Do you think so... it was the anarchists? <sighs> <laughs> I mean, what do you think about this building? I never thought about it very much before (laughs) hearing about it from Suzette and now Nathan. And I don't feel strongly about the way that it looks or what it's being used for. It sounds like any other massive funky building in Portland. It doesn't really stand out to me. We did a little digging of our own and we came across a voicemail that (laughs) somebody left for the city about this building. Hi, it's probably a total waste of time for me to do this, but having just sat on the Burnside Bridge, having to look at that vomitous pile of crap called the dumbbell, I just wanted to relay how offensive I find it to have that stuck in my vision and how I wouldn't take space in that building if it were free. I just, I don't understand how somebody could be such a dumbbell as to design something like that, buy it, erect it, and put it right in the middle of... I I mean, the end of the Burnside Bridge used to be a lovely view, and now it looks like what your toilet looks like after you've blown lunch in it. Pass it on to whoever or let it go. Um, But I just... I am... I am so distressed at all of the changes in Portland, but this takes the fucking prize. Oh, that voicemail is perfect. I wouldn't change a thing. I want that voicemail <laughs> to be a plaque, and I want that plaque to go on that building. <laughs> just a long, winding quote. <laughs> See, I just feel like, anarchists, if you're out there, this is the kind of direct action I would prefer. <laughs> it's just... Straight up jackassery. If that plaque could just go up 
on that building, I feel like a lot, a good part of Portland would feel heard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe like design a mural out of it to paint onto the side. <laughs> Those like, there's just so many good quotes from that. It's like vomitous pile of crap and what you what find in the toilet stuck in my view. <laughs> but but my you, favorite, the thing that maybe like immediately like the first like hard laugh was when when it was just like you couldn't pay me to, to like take space in, that, in building. that building. <laughs> This woman is a poet. We don't know who she is. This was anonymous submission. Oh, perfect voicemail. Perfect. Do you have anything in the mailbag to add for us? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think this is nice because we'll end on a bit of a more helpful, positive note because this has been a pretty... I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) That voicemail really did it for me. You know, you're right. I I take it back. So this one's uh, one for the kids. This one's from Devin McKay, who's a a listener of our show, and, and they said... I just want to say, as a family that moved up from Pasadena, California, to the Portland area this summer, this podcast has been invaluable for both the information and the entertainment. Thank you, Devin. That said, we have a family with two kids under five. Oof. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Sorry. (laughs) I was like, you couldn't even hold that in. Go on. Oh, man. What do people with small children do during the rainy season? It seems virtually everything here that's not eating, drinking, or a concert is outdoors. Many thanks. So I don't have any kids, is clear to my (laughs) oof from earlier. (laughs) Also, also Devin, none of us here in the podcast have children. And I think it's evident (laughs) in how... Yeah, uh, yeah, not child-friendly, the podcast is. Um, <laughs> but it's a valid question. It is, and we do have answers for you. So I did uh, reach out to a friend of mine who has kids and knows all about this stuff. And she gave three recommendations, the first one being The Wiggle Room in the Hollywood District and uh, Playdate PDX in Slabtown, which are both indoor playgrounds, mm-hmm. places that kids will love, but also they serve both coffee and beer for the parents. So a place where you can unwind <laughs> as best as you can with screaming children running around. <laughs> but oh, my God. Another one that she noted was the Southwest Community Center, which is uh, a place that has an indoor pool. And uh, this like wild, crazy slide that you can go down with your kids, which just sounds like a blast. It's somewhere that, that I feel like awesome. I would go myself <laughs> just for fun. <laughs> and then the last thing that my friend recommended was library story hours and bookstore events for kids specifically. Um, and two that she said that are great are at Green Bean on Northeast Alberta and at Powell's in the Pearl. And she even said that she has um, a friend that met their group of friends with kids Mm-hmm. at these library story hours. So those were the three that she said were great places to start. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you asked someone because what I, I read this email, I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a single idea. I'm not one. I had not one no. idea. Mm-hmm. I was like Chuck E. Cheese. I'm like, that's not a thing, is it? Gosh, I could smell Chuck E. Cheese just by just it's hearing like you say Chuck just E. Cheese. just feet and beer. Feet and cheese, honestly. It's, it's feet, which cheese, I can't and tell which one's beer. which. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully all these places you suggested uh, are better smelling. Well, Julia, <laughs> thank you so much for helping me go through the mailbag. If you ever have a comment or feedback or a correction, feel free to mm-hmm. hit us up at portland at citycast.fm or leave us a voicemail at 503-208-5448. All right, Julia, well, thanks so much for hanging out with me. Uh, on this week's midweek roundup. Thanks, Claudia. This was a lot of fun. 
Before we head out, are you facing any personal dilemmas you'd like our opinions on? We're putting together an advice-style episode and want to hear from you. Shoot us an email at portlandcitycast.fm or leave us a voicemail at 503-208-5448. Well, that's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's.